Hey, and welcome to another episode of Shop Talk with Jeff and John. Hey, John. How Yo, you doing? What's uh, up? You're still alive. I am, I am fabulous. Wow, because normally you say, I'm not dead or... What's some it's of this? true. Yeah. I'm not dead yet. You're not dead. I'm still alive. But look at you smiling and just oh all gosh. joyful. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. If, I don't know what that, if that's happened a lot. The on weather's a, on a, been good. You smell good. I smell good. Yeah, you smell good. Thank you. You're well, and there you go. Vinny joins us again this week. The ray of sunshine. <laughs> the ray of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you want to be referred to? It sounds good, right? I guess it's better than the self-invitee, the self-invitor. I, I'm trying to go away from that. Yeah. Yeah. So for people out there listening, and they often ask us how we can get on the show, uh, you, you just follow Vinny's uh, uh, MO. J- just show up. Just sit in the driveway <laughs> until he opens the door. Happy uh, works. It got him on a camping trip. It's got him on bike rides. It's got him in, in podcasting. So. Yeah. And I think we we hired him. He's now our our Instagram uh, <laughs> social media expert. He's our social media expert. Hastag, hashtag hashtag. Uh, yes, uh, Storkleg <laughs> might delete this later. See, that's the thing that your wife doesn't like, right? The inside jokes. The inside jokes. The yeah. inside jokes. Yeah, shame yeah. on you. Yeah, it wasn't you really guys an inside joke. Apologize to Trina. I'm sorry, Trina. That was an inside joke, but it goes back to the previous week when we <laughs> went mountain biking at at Sky Village Park in Santa Claus Land. So yeah, it, I mean, little backstory to that. There, there were a lot of people taking selfies, and we had to make fun of it. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh. So we hashtag. See, hashtag. I wasn't even in on the inside. Yeah. Joke. No. No. Yeah. No. And, and then another thing, and I actually think. I'm taking credit for it because we actually looked it and there's looked it up and there's no hashtag stork leg, but that's what everyone does when they take a selfie or take a picture. And you'll know it as soon as you see it, all the girls, guys standing in a photo, they turn their hip and they cock a leg and get it on their toe and the knees bent. I'm calling that stork leg. He studies this. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> right. So. I have noticed that trend. I didn't. Yeah. I but so so vanity. now I just hashtag stork leg. Just, it's like so. duck lips. Yeah, duck lips. When when yeah. Instagram first started. Mm-hmm. So Speaking of weird. Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram at Shop Talk with Jeff and John. That's J E F F N J O N. Shop Talk with Jeff and John. So give us a follow, and uh, you know, follow the hashtag stork legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it a thing. You know, I don't know. I have to ask Blake. Hey, Blake, how you doing? Is it working? I don't know. So let me know. Get back with me. Um, <laughs> you you can tell I'm way off script right now, right? You did pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, Vinny's back because he was involved uh, with us last week when we talked about uh, Jonathan's uh, segue into the bicycle industry and the industry that he's been involved in for 21 years. 21 years. And an extra week now. So 21 years and counting so i know that we got a little bit off track last week but i thought it was very uh uh peeling back the curtain as it were on just uh bicycles in general and model years and the overall forecasting and what goes into that to get us the bike that we want when we want it and and all that that all that that details uh so this week i wanted to uh continue that trend or that tread that thread uh and go back down that rabbit hole and, and uh, uh, get your expertise and knowledge as sure. as far as as far as you know it. Again, we don't claim to be experts. This is just things that we observe. But Jonathan might be more of an expert than the uh, than Vinny and I because he was actually involved with, with the giant manufacturer. Giant. See what I did there? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that was pretty good. Wow. Segway, segway. Hashtag that. Hashtag that. <laughs> so, um, because he, he worked he worked for Giant, so have to, I felt the need to explain it. I don't know why. So you know it's um, funny about Giant manufacturing um, or Giant bicycles and everything like that. Um, certainly, they are a Taiwan company. Yeah. Um, and certain, I full disclosure did not have a conversation with you know King Lu, who's the founder of of Giant Bicycles. He's since passed away, but. Um, the the part of the whole Chinese interpretation language whatever is that they wanted it to be 
a giant, a, a you know larger large bicycle company, and so literally it was a just true interpretation, true whatever trans- uh, something big. Yeah, and it was giant bicycles. Wow, giant manufacturing. Yeah, and they made Chinese it's so wanders. funny because I mean, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but when you know you see enough of these uh, all you can eat. Chinese buffets mm-hmm. around, yeah, and they're quite literal. <laughs> Excuse me, they're, they're quite literal. Um, Bless you. Names mm-hmm. of the restaurants, like you know, Super King Buffet, mm-hmm. right? Or you know, there are a lot of super buffets, super buffets, yeah. and whatever. The Super China Buffet, right yeah. here in yeah. town. Yeah, again, they're they're just they're trying to. Make it sound so extravagant, and it sounds very extravagant in in in, in Chinese and Mandarin. But then when you you know translate it in English, it's like giant bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> like really, you could that was it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I finally got the respect that I needed from my mom when I went to go work at Giant because she knew who Giant Bicycles was from Taiwan and went, oh, you work for a very large company. But before that, I worked at a bike shop. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And ever since then, she's given me the whatever, you know, the respect that I needed, mm-hmm. you know, because she always wanted to me be like, you know, go work for the government, go work for the post office, you know, go be part of a large organization where you'll be taken care of type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Giant, that was, she was very proud. Very cool. I had no clue. I had no clue that she would be proud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the fact that she knew it, and then she would then tell family, you know, where I worked, and she loved it. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little tidbit. That's a, tidbit. a good one. Yeah, yeah. So part of the goal this week is to pull back the curtain on road biking. And and some of the some of the who what whys and whens of the skinny tire sect. But before we get to that, I know we ended last week kind of abruptly, or I, I cut you all kind of quickly, uh, just trying to keep it in in a time frame for our listeners. But we were talking about model years and forecasting, and you know you were using numbers. If I sold a million units last year, and then out of the whole big four, there was four million units sold that you you. You had 25% of the market share. So my question, uh, and it's something I've been thinking about, and we may have touched briefly on it now, because I know as, as, as we go in any business, whether it was in the restaurant business and retail in general, you, 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 want, you want marked growth. You want you know, noticeable growth. So does that come into play when they're, when they're forecasting and making, say, that we used a bike that Vinny and I ride to slash 9.8 hashtag hashtag um, <laughs> that uh, they sell out of that bicycle every year mm-hmm. and like they've already sold out and we're not expecting any more to August or September. Right. Now, because they sell out every year and we sold X numbers, do they anticipate growth? Do they make more or do they kind of keep it on the same line? It's like, well, we sold 15,000 of them last year. I'm okay if I only sell 15,000 of them this year. Right. Or do they try to grow them? Or are they happy yeah. selling them out without increasing Sometimes production? Sometimes there is. Sometimes there is, right? Uh, so, you know, certainly uh, I don't know the true philosophy of what track is going to do with the slash, you know, going into next year. But if I were to guess some things um, – some some companies are completely satisfied with projecting and hitting a goal and and not feeling bad if they missed out on further revenue revenue sales um so if we sold 15,000 units of these uh and that's what we ordered we're happy right even if we sold out in february mm-hmm. right and there was 4 months left of the year now a greedy person or someone, an opportunistic person might be, well, wait a minute, we sold out four months early. So what would have been the other four months of sales? Certainly, you know, the, the good chunk of it is going to happen when uh, 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 an item, re- a bicycle releases, 
mm-hmm. right? But what's the residual or how much more will it sell? And again, you're forecasting at that point. So how are you forecasting? You're guessing. You're going, okay, well, boy, the fact that we sold out in April or February or whatever, and there's four months left, you know, is that a 20% increase? Is that a 10% increase? That's the guessing game. And that's purely up to the the purchasing de- team, the product team, you know, at track for them to decide how aggressive they want to be. Um, I'm sure that they're going to want to put more money into the bread and butter, stuff that they know they can sell and you should not be out of. And so across the spectrum then, I mean, I, we, we work for a Trek dealer. We all ride Trek, so that's sort of where our our, our – our loyalty or that's where our conversation tends to go just because of where, where we work and what we do. But if you look at it as a whole, um, what do you think is the bread and butter? Is bread and butter now on the fat tires, i.e. mountain full suspension bike, or is the bread and butter still the road bike, or is the bread and butter the more leisure cruiser bikes? I mean, where, where actually, what do you consider the bread and butter? Uh, uh, like, yeah, sure. Yeah, your your bread and butter is, um, uh, if I accurately reference industry numbers, your bread and butter is up to eight hundred dollars for a bicycle. So for what it's worth, two hundred dollars to eight hundred dollars is your bread and butter. I, so our bread and butter would be the, the Marlin series. The yeah. Marlin series, yeah, right. Um, um, as far as just total units, you better have those. You do not run out of those bikes. Okay, then let, then let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm asking you maybe things that you, I'm only asking you to speculate on. So we have the Marlin, uh, uh, arguably one of our better sellers. We sell them hand over fist yeah. to anybody that walks in, and it's a mountain bike. How come we don't have the same price point on a road bike? Is that it? Yeah. Where, where, where's the disconnect, or is there a disconnect, or is it more there plausible? Is, there's to... a disconnect, but it's a de- it's a design engineering issue. Okay. Right. Um, so, uh, design engineering issue and um, supply and demand per se. All right. Um, so. Mountain bikes in general are more versatile and ranges really across the board of age groups and things like that. Um, so you gotta just, you gotta have a $400 mountain bike. Just because it a- appeals to it's a more bike. people? Cause it's a bike. Okay. And it just happens to be a mountain bike mm-hmm. cause it's versatile and things like that. Um, so, so the industry therefore produces a bicycle that is in demand. Therefore, four hundred dollar bicycle, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollar, up to eight hundred dollars. Um, you know, we don't notice our performance designs uh, come into effect until about eight hundred dollars and up, mostly a thousand dollars. Yeah, right. That's when the performance lineup starts to happen. In performance line, you mean road bike. Mountain, but mountain, or mountain, even mountain, okay. doesn't matter, right? Just the quality, that you know, right? Um, and with road bikes, it's a smaller volume or lower volume of units um, in demand. However, the people who are involved in it demand more out of that product. So you can't make a four hundred dollar road bike because it will fall apart on them. It will be very flimsy. The cost of the materials that required, well, I'm sorry. If you made a $400 road bike, you would have to use cheaper materials that would not translate well to a functioning or performance of a road bike. I.e., because I know that when when people coming in looking for a road bike, and to sometimes mountain bikes for an extent. Um, People are really concerned about weight 
more so on a road bike. So if you, you couldn't have a weight conscious or a bike that's going to be appealing to someone in a road bike category for $500 because it would be, yeah, like, be like 32 even pounds. At, even at the starting price point of $800 for a road bike, it's not weight conscious, right? Now, it's all a matter of perspective, what's weight and whatever, but like or what's weight savings. So if certainly there are enough normal people out there, ordinary people that will come in and pick up a mountain bike and pick up a road bike and go, oh, my gosh, a road bike so much lighter. Well, no, duh, right? right? Right. That would be an obvious statement, very condescending, of course. But I'm saying it very, you know, sarcastically because they're two different bikes, right? I mean, a Toyota Tundra is going to weigh more than a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's different application. People don't aren't don't see it that way, right? So, the Tundra is going to have to be built better. Because it's a different application. And so, and, and that's the same by, thing. By in, in effect, it's going to cost more. Okay. So, um, since we're peeling back the curtain of road bikes, where where do you feel, or what, what as an industry, I guess, what, what is the industry willing to do as far as road bikes? Do they, are they, are they willing to give up the four or $500 mountain bike sales because they know they can't make a, a road bike to that? To, to be cost-effective and weight-effective and performance-effective, that they're just automatically going to make their entry-level road bikes $1,200 or $1,500, and that's just sort of the starting point. Is that... $800. It, $800. $800 is the starting price point. You notice that we don't have any $800 bikes in our store. Right. Because they don't sell well. Because right. for our geography, demographics, whatever you want to call it, um, people who want to get involved, they at least want to get involved in a... In a good way, mm-hmm. not uh-huh. a just a budget friendly way. Okay, um, so what do you mean by a good way? Like more? Like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Okay, right. And so um, I'm going to be more serious about it. Therefore, tell me the pros and cons of the qualities, the features, and benefits. Um, and uh, chances are, I'm going to spend uh, more money to get into something that is going to take care of me well. Right. I'm using very generic terms right no, now. No, no, I'm right? following you. But it's going to take care of me well versus, oh, yeah, I like the way a road bike looks, um, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. And when I say that, I only have 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. So guess what? Walmart, Amazon, they figure out a way to make a $500, $400 road bike. And they are they're selling those and they're selling those probably very well. The bicycle manufacturers within the industry have chosen not to um, associate their brand with that level of quality. Okay, so then is it is it is it perceived that is it a customer perception or just a, a public perception that they're okay to come in and spend the five hundred dollars on on the mountain bike? And be perfectly happy with it, but then they wouldn't be perfectly happy with a five hundred dollar road bike that we would sell. Is so is is the perception that we know that five hundred dollars is going to get you more of what you want in this type of bike category, and not so much in this type of back category. So we're going to leave it at that and entry level here, but your entry level here is going to be more, and then the price jumps are going to be more. So if, are they are they? Uh, it's not intuitive. It's not. A, it's, so when you say perception, you know, perception is, you know, what's been impressed upon them. Um, I think it requires education. You mean the public or the bike buying people? The bike, yeah, the consumer. It requires education for the consumer to under, to learn that there is a difference. Right. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I think that if there was a perception, why can't I get a $500 road bike? Mm-hmm. And why are you only selling a thousand dollar road bikes? And wow, you guys are a really expensive bike shop. I, I don't like you. Yeah, we, we've heard it. I mean, not that part, but we've heard the other, the the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. why is this this much? And but that bike over there is only. This. Sometimes customers will point at cruisers and say, yeah. "Like that's a three hundred dollar cruiser. How come you don't have a road bike that's the same price?" Mm-hmm. Obviously, we can't do that. But well, yeah. wait. So finish your statement there. Obviously, you can't do that. Why? Uh, the quality. I mean, again, it's heavy. It's a cruiser. 
it, mm-hmm. the gearing's not there. I mean, it's just it's not possible for a manufacturer to put that type of bike on a road. Mm-hmm. And if they mm-hmm. did, like you said before, the quality wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. It, it's so. Um, let me spend maybe four minutes. I'm gonna try to spend four minutes on just a, a basic understanding fundamentals on gearing and why quality is important. It might it might be good for our listeners. I think it would. Okay, so the level of quality of a bicycle is associated with how many gears you have in the back wheel. Okay, um, there's a reason why at a bike shop we don't say it's a 21 speed or 24 speed, right? A 21 speed in its own right implies uh, uh, th- three years in the front, seven in the back. Whereas I prefer to call it a seven-speed drivetrain. Right. Right? Because, yeah. again, your level of quality is associated with how many gears are in the back. A seven-speed drivetrain. For all intents and purposes, it's nearly the same measurement for seven gears to fit into the back wheel as it is for 11 gears or even 12 gears to fit into a back wheel. So when you have to fit in up to four, five more gears into the same spacing, everything has to get narrower. The quality of the materials has to get better in order to be rigid and more accurate in order to... And longevity. No, not longevity. Well, no, no, not longevity. Just literally in the function of being able to go from one gear to the next to the next to the next within a small confine of space right so the quality has to inherently go up in order to comply to shift within within 11 speed gearing back there versus seven speed gearing or five speed gearing back back you know 30 years ago right right so right then and there period as soon as you understand just that fundamental piece, there's a lot of bells and whistles on the rest of the bike, but the drivetrain, how many gears are in that back on that back wheel, determines your 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 greatest quality of why your prices will jump. Just because of the precision and the quality and of everything it takes, a thirty seconds of an inch, yep. cable movement or this movement makes. Yep the difference between 12 miles an hour and 19 miles an hour, right? As far as like pedaling speed and doing things. Uh, sorry to burst your bubble. It has nothing to do with speed. Purely shifting performance. Well, I, w- I just meant going from one gear to the next. I wasn't oh. like, I was just Got like it. talking. Got speed. When you downshift from one to the next, Okay. Just, that's all. I'm, I, I know it doesn't make it faster. You have to pedal it. I was just, you know, in your precision of shifting, yeah. downshifting or upshifting, climbing or cruising or whatever yeah yeah and and you know we're, we're we're even arguing over really nanoseconds of a shift you know but from a performance perspective um uh, where it really comes into play is as i'm climbing up a hill um and i do not want to lose any momentum so i want to continue pedaling and applying force but now i'm getting tired so i need to shift down a gear when i shift down a gear how fast is that rear derailleur going to shift the chain into the next gear? And we're talking nanoseconds here. Right. But because a seven-speed system um, has lesser quality materials and it's going to flex, that flex is what's causing the lag time and the shifting. And therefore, those extra nanoseconds causes you to, A, either lose momentum and therefore you have to stop, or B... You keep going, but it's not shifting right because it's stressed under load. Right. And you now have lost focus or who knows what. And if you're racing, well, that's no fun because guess what? Someone's got something better than, than you and has already passed you up. So that's why you want to get yourself into the performance stuff if you did care about winning or just being faster than your former self. Right. But on a cruise, when you're cruising around, no one's trying to race. No one's trying to compete in that nature. You're just riding around the neighborhood looking at birds and laughing. And therefore, the nanoseconds are irrelevant. Right. That's what I do on a mountain bike ride, by the way. 
I look, can tell. Look at birds and laugh. Yeah, for yeah. the most part. <laughs> you know, when I'm not falling. Um, and that's why you know, <laughs> for so many, for so much of the general population, um, uh, yeah, I've gone to Walmart and I bought a bike, and that hundred and twenty dollars that I spent, that's all I ever needed. I never had a problem. Yeah, you're right. Never had a problem. Just like you know, um, I don't know what silly analogy can I ever use. Uh, yeah, you went to the sto- to Stater Brothers and you bought chicken and you boiled it and you Made never dumplings? had a problem. Yeah. No, you boiled it and you ate it. Versus, there's chicken marsala. There's chicken. <laughs> so you're saying cruisers are boring. <laughs> Cruisers don't. Do cruisers are, are boiled chicken. <laughs> cruisers are basic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Would they know? serve a basic purpose and yeah. a basic need? Right. Yeah. Just, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because performance-wise, that's what they do. And then now you start start to, start to spice it up, and you add some salt and uh-huh. pepper and garlic, and, and you got a tasty mountain and bike. Those are your tasks. <laughs> no, no, not even. No, that that's no, your no. beach cruiser with that's a basket be- and the mirrors yeah. and the bell on it, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's your with a little horn. That's your towny eight eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you just start to to you know spice it up. That's it. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the demand on a cruiser is very low. I mean, or I'm sorry, the demand of force and power and and accuracy on a cruiser is very low. Okay. So last week, I know we we started talking about it, and we talked about the innovations and the technological advances in mountain biking and the riding that people do in a mountain bike has added to the technological advances. Like if you watch some World Cup downhill, some of the things they go through and over, you know, is insane. And just the ability of the mountain bike to withstand that is, is in itself insane. So that that adds to the advances in a mountain bike. On, on the flip side, when we talk about the advances in a road bike, and, and I say this because the Tour de France is actively going on, they're racing pretty much the same course all the time you know there's different hills they kind of change it up you know there's team time trials but it's like so we're going to climb Alpe d'Huez this year so Alpe d'Huez never changes their, their, their climb is what it is uh-huh. so and and when you're road racing across you know and cer- doing circuit racing or, or you know cat three four and five road racing whatever it doesn't really seem the courses become the courses don't get technical and they don't try to trip you up like they do on mountain biking do you feel that that has uh, slowed down the development or technological advances of road biking is because it seems like the racing that people do on a, on a road bike is always the same. Now they make can they can make it lighter for climbing. They can change a little bit of the gearing ratio, but as far as technological advances, there doesn't seem to be leaps and bounds every year like you see in mountain biking. Are am I off the mark? Is that kind of true or not true? Or how do you see technological advances? In mountain biking going. I know you hit it on it last week. Talk about, well, one week it's one year it's performance. Next year it's comfort. Next year it's weight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cyclical mm-hmm. that it goes mm-hmm. around and round. Mm-hmm. But what what drives the advances in road biking? Marketing. Mark? Really? <laughs> yeah. In in my most humble opinion, it's marketing. Um, okay. I'm going to have to. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. I will. Okay. I'm going to elaborate. Um, so... Certainly, I'm going to table the mountain biking for just a moment, but which came first, right? Which came first, Uh, the mountain-like technology or the more demanding rider, you know, or the more improved mountain biker, okay? Mm -hmm. So, can the more improved mountain biker be just as fast without the technology? Which came first? Chew on that one for a little bit, okay? We'll we'll, we'll come back to that later. Um, Road biking certainly has a very long tradition that people hold on to very much of what what is road biking. It's – road biking in its element is more strategy – than it is pure talent or rather willingness to be brave and you know and 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 run over and jump things or whatever so certainly i'm still speaking out of my butt okay um but 
how fast can you go? I mean, that's really the deal. Um, you, when you're on a mountain bike, you're you're go. You know, I'm sorry, a road bike. You're you're looking at all level, any level of efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because um, the same level of of energy output that I put in um, on a road bike versus a mountain bike, um, I'm going to get about maybe even seventy uh, percent to a hundred percent more distance, more speed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, on a for a mountain biker, you're going, you'll you'll a normal ride is ten miles. A ten-mile trail route that you do, right, right, and for what it's worth, you're averaging somewhere around six to eight miles an hour. Why? Because there's climbs involved that totally slow you down. So therefore, a ten-mile ride, you know, will take you an hour and a half, two hours to 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 do. Mm -hmm. Whereas on a road bike, you're averaging fifteen miles an hour, and that's just for even we'll just call it a normal person, right? Not even a pro, right? Right? Because no. yeah, yeah. pros are averaging about twenty-five miles an hour, but fifteen miles an hour, mm-hmm. and that's a steady fifteen miles an hour. So in two hours, I get to hit thirty miles, right? And I've always called it a three-to-one ratio between road and mountain miles, right? Okay, so you get to feel better about yourself to say that hey, I rode thirty miles today. And people are like, 30 miles? I, I drive to work, and it's 14 miles, and I'm tired. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you just rode 30 miles. Yeah, I did, but it wasn't really that hard. Right? Because there's that, that, that level of efficiency that you have in a road bike. So all you really got is marketing to hype up certain needs certain benefits of a road bike that will make it more glamorous okay now i'm certainly underselling the whole idea of the technologies in a road bike and when i'm saying that you know yes there's a difference between aluminum frames versus carbon fiber frames yeah right there's a difference between aluminum rims and carbon fiber rims but it's not what you think is the immediate benefit. Most people hear carbon fiber and automatically they think it's lightweight. Wrong. It's not. Trek, for their own sake, they at one point offered seven levels of carbon. (laughs) Yeah. Okay? Uh And each level had to do with weight and... um, uh, what's the what the uh, tensile strength? Yeah, yeah. I mean, fibers per inch. The fibers, too, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, um, the, the about a decade ago, you know, they had um, they had only three levels of carbon, and at that time, they instead of calling giving it an actual name, they had n- numerical values to it, mm-hmm. right? And so there was one twenty GSM, one ten GSM, fifty five GSM, GSM for what it's worth. Let's just use bad acronym, you know, uh, uh, investigation here, uh, graphs per square meter, right? Yeah. Okay. But ultimately there were 120 fibers within a square meter. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, right? Square inch. So 120 fibers has to, has to do the same job as 110 fibers does as the same as a 55 fibers do so 55 was their lighter weight carbon 120 was their higher or uh, heavier carbon mm-hmm. meaning that the fibers used in the 55 were stronger by almost double to double right therefore they needed less of it and that's how you got your weight savings along with the different epoxies that they would use to to keep the weight down. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you were going to spend more money in order to have less carbon. <laughs> yeah. If you really think about it. All right? It's thinner carbon but stronger. Um, and that's how you got your weight savings. But 
sometimes you don't say that and you just go, oh, yeah, my bike's carbon fiber. Okay, it's 120 GSM. So that means you have standard carbon fiber, which, by the way, is just as heavy as your aluminum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So why'd you get carbon? Oh, because it's lighter. Is it? No, it's not lighter. Right. And by the way, the reason why you should have gotten carbon and the way the reason why you should be telling people why you got carbon is because it has a different ride sensation. So yeah. the the good and bad between aluminum and, and carbon. Al- aluminum the, the the benefit about aluminum is that it's really rigid and it has a snappy feel. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's rigid. You feel everything on that road. Yeah, there's yeah. And guess what? That's the bad part about carbon. It's really rigid and has a snappy feel. It's its strength is also its own weakness. Mm-hmm. Which is the reason now that like everyone who makes a carbon fiber bike for the comfort side of the road bike industry and in our in our models or our manufacturer, they have that the ISO speed or that thing that sort of dampens the ride out, right? Putting shock absorbers. Yeah, or bearing, but they're even putting that in the carbons. No, that's what I mean. In in oh. the in those in like the the carbon frames, they do that. They were doing that to to dampen it out or to soften the ride, though. Maybe, right? sure, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it a little bit. Okay, so again, we're we're still talking about aluminum, right? So aluminum, it's really rigid. And it has a snappy feel. The bad part, it's really rigid and it has a snappy feel. So once you start to get tired, usually around the 45 minute mark, all those vibrations that you were feeling from minute one. They're now, still coming into you. Are now amplified. Because you're just tired. Right. Right? And now it's a now it's a jarring ride. And it's not enjoyable per se. Or you have more fatigue on you. Not that it's less enjoyable, but right. you're just getting more tired. Mm-hmm. Carbon fiber has the same benefit without that drawback. It is really rigid. It has a snappy feel. However, the vibrations are dampened through the the, the carbon. They cannot travel through the carbon as well as aluminum, mm-hmm. and therefore it's more of a, a, a of a smoother dampened feel. Dampened yeah. feel. A smoother harsh ride. <laughs> no, what I mean, I don't know if it's really harsh. Just the jarring is gone. Yeah, you still feel the road, but it's not. It's less jarring, right? Right. And that's the reason why you should have bought carbon. And then you then should talk about what level of carbon do I want for the weight savings? Mm-hmm. But no, everyone always falls for, oh, I want the carbon. Yeah, but you haven't even asked where that carbon came from and why it's why it's so cheap. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain cost value on any of these carbons. Trek at one point was making a fifteen hundred dollar, you know, carbon road bike, whereas their most expensive aluminum road bike was twenty one hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? That aluminum frame was still lighter than that carbon frame at fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. But no one ever asked that. It just said it's carbon. They they love it. That's marketing. Okay. So, and you mentioned it a minute ago about wheels, because I feel, personally, that the biggest improvement and the biggest advantage on a road bike, and the, and, and the simplest way to increase performance or speed or whatever it is you're looking to increase, is with, with wheels. Yeah. I think wheels... Obviously, you need them to be to be a bicycle, so I don't want to state the obvious. But the, I think most of your speed and everything that 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 you buy a bike for is attributed to wheels. It's 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 hilarious because um, am I saying it right? I mean, you understand what no. I'm saying, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'll be I'll, I'll back you up on it. So, um, most people once they buy a bike, they want to start modifying it, souping it up. They want to reduce weight. And then so they will buy uh, a carbon uh, stem. They'll co- buy ca- carbon handlebars mm-hmm. or carbon seat, carbon seat posts. Yeah. Right. Heck, they'll even go down to, you know, uh, help me find titanium bolts. But yet they won't spend money on carbon wheel set. Yeah. Because the carbon wheel sets, of, 
you know, a high end carbon wheel set, a lightweight carbon wheel set is twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's as much as some people pay for the bike. Correct. Yeah. Right. But that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck in performance. Yeah. Because you're not just reducing weight. You're reducing. Um, hello. Give me a moment. You're reducing rotating weight. It's kinetic energy, energy. or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Right. And when you're so going uphill, it's easier. And it's uh, lighter weight, period. Yeah. And that's the most performance enhancing thing you can ever do. When you just reduce a stem weight by 40 grams. Okay, great. The static weight is down, but it's not an immediate performance advantage. Yeah. Right. You can feel all good about yourself that you save 40 grams. Great. Yeah. 450 grams to a pound. It finally adds up. I get it. But when if you can save 50 grams or 100 grams or half a pound on your rotating weight, you're going to get a true performance advantage. Yeah, I noticed it right away. I mean, not to go from road bike back to mountain bike, but right away on the mountain bike. Same the, thing. The it doesn't matter. Wheels, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Climbing downhill. It didn't uh-huh. matter. Yeah. It made a giant difference. Yeah. 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 It makes the bike feel more nimble. You can you just there's a performance advantage mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And it and it's just not the carbon. I mean, it, it the carbon rims make a huge difference and I and, and that's all spot on true. But it, I think there's more than that. It, you you have to look at, and obviously, if you're spending twenty five hundred dollars on a wheel set, when you start looking at the bearings, then you're going to have oh yeah yeah the bearings, right. and they're oh. going to be ABC fives, you know. So the bearings, how big the hub is, and the, and and just all of that, you know, because it's all rotating around a really small spindle at a really small part of the bike, and then um, and I honestly didn't know what different spokes made on a bike. You know, when you talk about bladed spokes, round, uh, rounded spokes, or whatever, to, to you had a, a, a performance wheel set, and you get your bike up to 25 miles an hour, and you can literally feel the bike, like, like click in and, and snap in. You know, it's like you're pedaling, you get up there, and you're going. And when it gets to 25, you can definitely feel a difference in all of that and in the wheels, the bearings, the, the, the material that the wheels are made out of, the spokes. It all comes into play. And it definitely comes into play at speed, and that's what I've noticed. It's like, yeah, climbing up, the weight is definitely easier if you're climbing up white wood at, you know, 12 miles an hour or whatever. The weight does make it easier. But, like, going down white wood, mm-hmm. when you're approaching 35 and 36, 40 miles an hour, you you can really feel it as you're giving up speed. And when you hit 20 to 25, I call it, for me, that's where I can really feel the difference. The sweet spot's about 22 miles an hour. You can feel the bike, and then you can just feel the aerodynamics actually taking effect, and you can feel the bike really click in. Yeah. I, I can. No, no, and right. And, you know, in some of the higher-end bikes that we've sold and talk with clients and you ride with clients, they they can, can all attribute it. The Madonna's one that you can really feel a difference with everything clicking at above 22 miles an hour. I think that's where the aerodynamic advantage comes in, not just in wheels, but in the frames it, it, itself. And a client that rides with us quite frequently, you know, he's looking at a new bike, but he actually bought the Triple X just recently, the wheels. Triple X wheels? Yeah, yeah, and and then every time I ride with him, he can't believe what a difference the wheels make. You know, he's still riding his same old bike, but the speed, the comfort, the the, the maneuverability, everything that increased yeah. when he changed to a $2,500 set of wheels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know it's a tough nut to swallow, and it's you know it's like wow, that's that's a lot of money. But if you're into it, and this you know this is obviously our hobby and what we're into, it hugely makes a difference. You know, you can put a twenty five hundred dollars set of wheels, and like you said, on a on a mid level carbon bike or a mid level aluminum bike, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think you know, and that's just not marketing. I think that's science, and you know that's that's pure pure physics and everything behind you. So I think, we, and every, like you said, and we see it all the time, well, I need to change this, I want to change that, but they will leave the same wheels on there. And leave, leave you know, heavy tires on there too, you know. So it's, there's a lot to be said about road biking and, 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 and maybe, you know, the innovations aren't there, but I think the innovations that are there are, are leaps and bounds, you know, are, are the things that they do to the bike are just mm-hmm. exponentially building on each other and i think wheels is the hugest 
improvement that you can make. I mean, by the way, I mean, I don't want marketing to sound like, you know, that response was like total sarcastic or cynical. Um, but marketing is to to impress upon the consumer that, hey, you know what, this this is the part you want to focus on. This is the this is what you should, you know, whatever invest in, you know, things like yeah. that. This mm -hmm. is the new trend, you know. Um, so carbon has its own marketing and then whatever other features they want to talk about, you yeah. know, but without the marketing, they wouldn't know. And they would probably ignore the deficiencies. Yeah. Okay. Whereas mountain biking, you knew the deficiency and that held you back. So meaning I had no suspension whatsoever. I'm going down a mountain hill, mountainside, yeah. and oh my gosh, I'm going to die. You know, I'm getting bucked off. I'm crashing mm -hmm. a lot, blah, blah, blah. Now you add suspension and you're like, whoa, I used to crash in this little area. Now I didn't crash. Yeah. You know, and like there's a true, true, true performance difference of not crashing. True, and, and yeah. then I, I'm my brain's thinking about because I, I felt like I, I may have painted a negative picture in the technological advances of road bikes, but as I'm sitting here thinking about it, and we talk about carbon fiber bikes, and we talk about carbon carbon fiber wheels, and the speed and everything that they that they uh, produce and allow you to generate um, has led to I think a, a really good improvement on road bikes is is the road disc brake. I don't know. It's we can still debate about that a little bit. Um, yes, I currently am on a road disc brake system. Bike. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I kind of didn't have a problem per se with the caliper brakes. Okay, but we also live in an area where we get zero precipitation. Correct. Okay, mm -hmm. so one thing I do know: uh, wet uh, carbon pads on wet carbon rims, stopping power is really not that good, sure. especially if you're going downhill sure. or if you're generating a lot of speed. Okay. So I'll agree with that. So <laughs> I think because of that, and granted, we're in one state and one part of the state where we don't get a lot of wetness on the road. Mm -hmm. So now let's think about the other 49 states that are out here that people are riding in, i.e. The, the East Coast, where it does rain, but people are still generating this speed, this need to go fast, and they are going downhill with unstoppable machines. Yeah. So I think the disc brakes and that avenue, because of the sheer stopping power in all weather conditions, is a huge okay, so it's a huge tick to road bikes or a huge advantage. So disc brakes has been a um, a lifesaver for carbon wheels. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I agree with that. Yeah. Because the one of the drawbacks to carbon wheels with caliper brakes is that the brake pads were never strong enough, um, to, or not strong enough, were never appropriate to stop a, uh, a carbon wheel right. um, mm -hmm. very quickly. And if it was that strong, well, it would eat into the carbon, and that's why you couldn't do that. Right. Right? So you had to use softer uh, uh, materials you know, on the, for the brake pads. So now you have disc brakes. Well, guess what? Nothing's contacting the rim, so therefore, you have you can have just as much braking power and have the the ride sensation that is awesome. Yeah. From carbon, right? Okay. However, where I struggle is at the beginning of this, weren't we talking about? Oh, you know what? We want to get a road bike because it's lightweight. And. Mm -hmm. I even argued, well, lightweight, uh, you know, as, as a matter of perspective, subjective to anything you, you think about. Right. By adding disc brakes, you just gained weight. Wait a minute. What just happened to the whole, I want my road bike to be lightweight? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Except if it's disc brake, because I'm willing to give up weight uh, so For I can get disc brakes on there so I can get better stopping power. Okay. Well, you fine. Can you just you just traded one thing for another, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, 
No. Right? And this is where I not struggle, but okay, I see the 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 you know the hap- hypocrisy, the the loopholes within marketing, mm-hmm. right. right? Is that a decade ago it was all about lightweight, and it was all about uh, twenty three millimeter tires, even down to twenty millimeter tires, and how narrow can you get those tires? How fast can you go? Yeah, and you were running one hundred fifty pounds of pressure. One hundred fifty psi on nineteen. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, and you were getting, you know, you can get your bike down to fifteen pounds, you know, um, and then you just added disc brakes. And by the way, you also chose to. Uh, uh, go to higher volume tires. So now you're dealing with 28 millimeter, even up to 32 millimeter wide tires. What the heck just happened? And that's marketing. So now again, there's science to justify mm-hmm. the marketing, right? Yeah, that's but that's it's what marketing. Yeah, because I mean, so the the disc brakes, carbon wheel, allow you to go faster. Yeah. And stop quicker. Yeah. Which means you need the meteor tires for stopping power. I mean, if you've got... Uh, if, really? Well, I mean, for hydraulic disc brakes, you'd have to have more than 19 mils on the road, wouldn't you? I mean... No. I don't know. I, I would think. I mean, if you're flying that the fast... The way I understand you... it, the reason why the whole wider tire thing has come mm-hmm. developed is so that there's more volume and it's easier on your body. It's comfier. It's comfier. Yeah. Right, but had no one's ever talked about how it's going to stop you. Better. But hydraulic disc brakes, meaning all weather. Sure. Nineteen mil tire is not going to be all weather, right? It can be. They just haven't designed it that way. <laughs> but I mean, current, current. What's out? Man, that's right? you're falling into the into their trap. I am. I totally am because I have to sell it. <laughs> I have to sell their trap. trap. Yeah. I have to sell their trap. Right, because they're, yeah. they're not going to produce 19 millimeter yeah. all weather tires. Yeah. With stopping power of a, a Monda with disc brakes that we currently have. So I'm not associating the width of a tire with anything about stopping power. I think they're just two separate elements. You got the width of the tire for comfort, mm-hmm. right? You can run a little bit lower pressure tire if you wanted to um, and it's going to be a little bit bouncier and yeah. smooth on f- smooth on the road i guess the way i'm looking at it is like you look at formula one race cars sure or things like that that are going super fast on the road they have wider slicks. they have wider tires wider tires and they're not all weather they're no but some of they do they put all they put all weather treads on but they're wide tires to get the stopping power around turns and things like that because the car's going so fast does that make sense like Okay, um, not my not my world. So mm-hmm. if that's what you're saying, no, I sure. I I get what you're saying. I understand. It. I think it's hard to put into words. Uh, well, you're putting it in words. Yeah. Um, the science, the technology. Yeah, it's wide tires are comfy and they do stop better. They, see, see, <laughs> he just said it. So that's what I'm getting at. Is that why wide road tires stop, be- stop I know, better? I know. I feel. I feel more. <laughs> I don't have disc brakes, but I feel since I went to 28s, everything about the bike handles. Okay, there's a there's more contact patch uh-huh. to yeah. the ground. Which so I'm sure there's a science that could justify that, hey, you have more touch in the ground, therefore you're going to get more grip, more so traction. So if, if more touch in the ground, more touch in the ground going slower when you're applying brakes, that means there's more on the ground going slower, so it's going to stop you quicker. I mean, if you look at it in that in that simplistic form. Right. I just know that when I went to 28s, everything about the ride changed. The climb, the cornering, the stopping, the speed, everything about everything I do on a road bike was different with 28 inch with 28 millimeter tires. Now, and I still run them and I still run them heavy. I run 28s at 100 psi. But in my defense, it better change. I mean, it better be a different ride. Right. No, mm-hmm. I'm just right. No, it is. Right. Yeah. Because the nineteen millimeters that no one uses anymore, twenty threes even, um they're they're gonna be more agile, they're gonna be more twitchy. You're going to you're you're not gonna feel as stable. Yeah, no, you definitely don't feel stable right. on them right. at all. But the design of it was that you're supposed to go faster because there's less contact patch. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. But then if you go back to the whole stability thing, then it it it, it 
would beg the it, I know, I know. I guess it would seem obvious or logical that if it's more stability with the wider tire, then it's also going to be more stability at slower speeds, ergo quicker or better braking as well, or sl- better at slowing well, down. More control. I mean, hey, you know what? I'm not going to deny that, right? Yeah. Um, you, there's more touch in the ground. You're going to be more in control. I just, again, I haven't heard it that. Hey, you got a wider tire. It's gonna be better for braking. Power. Maybe we need to get in marketing, <laughs> right? Because I just sold that. Maybe. Boom. Maybe you might have to use that. You know. So I mean, okay. As I'm te- as I'm teasing it out right now, it's not far fetched. I just hadn't heard it that way. Yeah. And from a guy in the back of the building, when someone comes back. Someone comes in and they want new tires and there's 23s. You just like, man, really? Can't you yeah. just get some 25s or 28s? They're really harder to put on. I don't like skinny <laughs> tires, man. The thumbs don't like them. And people who buy 23s, when they get have to change a flat on the side of the road, oh, yeah, yeah. will come in and say, can I get some 25s? It's just easier. I still do get a kick out of seeing the old school like road bikes. Coming with we're like probably older than most of us with twenties or nineteens on them little tiny skinny things with like giant spokes and you know man the bikes probably weigh twenty five pounds because they're and yeah it's just (laughs) insane but it's cool to see yeah and to think that and I remember when I first got into road biking we wanted as skinny tires we could have the skinnier the better run them to one hundred and twenty psi I tell you man seriously like right now my road bike is nineteen pounds. And um, on average, a standard road bike is about 17 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the lightest road bike I ever had was 14 and a half pounds. Right? It was a Tracky Monda SLR. And it was their top, top end um, uh, carbon, the lightest weight carbon, mm-hmm. um, Durace components, right? And rim, rim caliper brakes uh, with their top end uh, aluminum wheels yeah very, very lightweight um there was a true performance difference because i suck right and so therefore the common denominator denominators i suck and when i got on that bike i was that much faster mm-hmm. you sucked a little less yeah oh man you feel you don't even feel like you suck mm-hmm. right you feel so fast yeah yeah well, no, I so. love my Amanda. It gives you that sensation every time you get on, and it's like every time I ride a mountain bike, oh, this is so much fun. I love it. I don't know if I'll ride a road bike again, but they want to get on the road bike, and you feel just the pure speed yeah. and how twitchy and how responsive that bike is when you, like, zero effort and energy lost on a pedal stroke, like going uphill. Mm-hmm. You can literally feel the bike lunge and want to climb. Like, this bike wants to eat. It wants to go. Ergo, I'm a little bit regretting you know, owning a 19-pound road bike. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I got the 19-pound road bike because it's a gravel bike, ultimately, mm-hmm. and it's good, supposed to be versatile. Fine, there's versatility in it, but, man, riding on a purebred? Yeah, it's a whole different thing. That's the whole different thing. So I do miss a purebred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, have a, I, I don't know. Our mountain bike is... Uh, Super love it. It's super great. The road bike, I love that thing. It's just yeah. the pure breadness of it is just awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I enjoy it. Yeah. If again, if I if I had the extra money and you know to to just get another bike again or whatever, I mean, it would it would be a, a full fledged road bike. Mm-hmm. And you don't have you don't have one of those in your in no. your stable yet, right, Vinny? No, because cars scare me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just being totally honest. I, I, I love dirt. I mean, I, I feel safe bouncing off rocks. I, I felt <laughs> safe on the dirt bike going 110 across the desert. I mean, okay, so certainly, you know, there, there is a percentage that is out of your control, mm-hmm. right? And the car's going to get you, the car's going to get you. Yeah, yeah. All right? Totally. Just like mountain It's just, it's just like driving. going to get you, yeah. right? Okay. Um, but there's also a, 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 a point of a... Uh, the word in my mind is ignorance, but it's not ignorance in the Thanks derogatory, right? <laughs> it's just, it's uh, uneducation or just, you know, like you just don't know yet, you know? Um, 
Well, when you're when you're on when you're doing things right on the road with a road bike, it's defensive riding. It's just like you are driving. Yeah, and 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 there's a responsible way of doing it mm-hmm. versus. Yes, if a drunk driver is out there, drunk driver is out there, he's gonna tag anyone, and you're it. Right, but there's the but. Just the same reason I don't ride Harleys because I have a Harley at at my disposal. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to be on the road with other cars, and I'm not saying people shouldn't go road biking. It's just my personal yeah. preference. I'm not. I'm not going to say it doesn't enter my head. There are yeah. times that it's like I'm literally after a ride, and you're like shaking because there's been like three. It's like, how did that just happen? Or yeah. like the the ignorance of the person in the car who literally don't think you need to be out there and don't want to give you any room, you yeah. know, and want to brush by you or whatever. But then again, what I what I do is like I try not to, I don't think about it. I do everything in my power. I wear a high vis jersey. I got my day learning lights on front and rear, you know. Um, and you know, and we ride in groups, we ride in packs, and we take up the bike lane, and we do what we're supposed to do. And you know, at the end of it, you can like, man, there's a couple of couple of idiots out there today, you know. But ninety nine percent of the time, I enjoy every road ride I'm yeah. on. And and when I get on the bike, I literally try not to think. The only time I think about it is like when someone, you know, is doesn't get out of your way, or it seems like he's purposely, you know, seeing how close he can get to you. Obviously, he's going to win, so you know, I'll fine let me just stay in my lane and go but the the thrill and acceleration of road biking is 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 i like it and i think i like the group like we talked about before i like riding in a group Mm -hmm. and being with you know 10 or 12 other guys or gals out there and you're you know cruising along at 23 24 miles an hour in a pace line or side by side that's fun it's a good time it's just like what we did you know the other week at at sky at santa's village it's just just having fun it's it's a good time and I know that it helps me on my mountain biking. Oh, totally. I and I, I know I'm missing out on that. I know I'm missing out on the the group ride thing. And and again, I don't want to be Debbie Downer with it. No, it's just, no, it's my own personal fear. Like but, you but with you, mountain lions, it's me with okay. cars. Really? You, you really? <laughs> I'm just saying. Really? I know, really. Well, I mean, we know the mountain lions not going to get us when we're out there riding. Well, I don't know we, that. That's the problem. That's, that's the reason me. it's an unnatural fear. So all and those I, cars look like mountain lions to me. <laughs> It's I mean, funny. He it has is. to say mountain lions, and now I'm gonna. Good thing I don't think of cars as mountain lions because I probably wouldn't ride. <laughs> he has to bring up mountain lions on the road bike. Conversation, it's like they're huh? clowns <laughs> slash mountain lions. It's like all the things I grew everything up you everything yeah. you're scared of. Yeah. So, cool. Well, I'm looking at the time, guys, and I'm glad that this uh, this this uh, series of episodes is. Uh, has no ending in sight because I still don't know that we fully comprehended why Jonathan's in the game and what we... What the heck? I can't believe the time is gone. I feel like we haven't even said anything. I know. I know. So. Wow. Okay. So, see, we waited for, you know, 10 and 11 episodes to, to actually, or tw- 11 and 12, to start having shop talk and look how fast it goes. Mm-hmm. I hope it's going fast for the listeners. Cause, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, yeah. Because I, I mean, seriously, I, I, it could, it sounds, it could sound techy. You yeah. know what I mean? And I mean, how many people are really gonna enjoy it? So I hope you guys like it. I just I don't even know what to say. But uh, but what it does make me realize, and and we talked about it two weeks ago when we did the rundown and figured out our next five episodes. It's like, is there something to talk about? And I think a we answered that question. There's plenty to talk about about bikes. Is you we can go off on all sorts of tangents and unnatural fears and hashtags and things like that. But, um, you know, so I, I think we'll, we'll table the conversation for this week and then we'll pick up biking again next week. I know, <laughs> we, I know we talked a little bit about road biking and, and some of the aspects of road biking and what goes into road biking or a road bike, but maybe we'll delve a little more into it next week. We're also supposed to talk about mountain biking next week. And, and I honestly think that that conversation can be can be long too just because of what you mentioned earlier in this episode and i'm still chewing on it by the way uh you know which came first the 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 full suspension bike or the the, are the the guy that willing to point a bike downhill and go Mm -hmm. who which which who built who 
did the guy that did the, the guy with no fear build the bike or did the bike build a guy with no fear? Yeah. yeah. You know, so I think that's a very good way to end this episode and we'll pick it up next week. Uh, uh, you know, but again, then again, he can also be said the same thing on, on a road bike. Some of those things, those guys go down on the tour de France with no shoulders, no roads and no guardrails screaming down the side of a mountain in the Pyrenees on a 14 pound bike with rim brakes or disc brakes, you know, who's crazier, you know, it's, it's, it's all in perspective, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, um, who built who? That's a whole nother episode. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what's right over there, Vinny. Yep. That's it. It's the weekend. You can see it from here. So get out guys. Have a good time. Jonathan as always. Thank you. Pleasure. Vinny as always. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks for showing up. You're welcome. So, um, and I'll see you, see you when we see you, Jonathan, again. Thank you, buddy. Until next time, guys, uh, get out there, have fun, live life. See ya. Bye-bye.